Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast, where we bring you business-focused interviews with thought leaders and executive decision-makers to deliver actionable information for founders, CEOs, and finance leaders to take your organization to the next level. I'm your host, Doug Atberg, and I'm looking forward to getting the conversation started. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. I have Kate Johnson with me today. And what we are going to be talking about is managing cash flows for a business. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and it can actually be equally applicable to a larger enterprise uh, as, a, you know, as a small and medium business. Although in a lot of cases, small and medium-sized businesses will tend to have less accounting and finance resourcing to really keep an eye on their cash flows in bigger enterprises. But some larger companies have managed to get themselves in trouble as well. Uh, so Kate, I solemnly where I'll let you introduce yourself in a, in a minute, but I just kind of want to tee up the topic a little bit because I think that in a lot of cases, it's really easy, especially if you get used to reading uh, earnings reports to be looking at net income. The problem is net income and cash are not the same thing, uh, which is that in a lot of cases, what will happen is either revenue or expenses will be recognized when uh, when they are uh, or based on what's called an accrual basis. So in other words, you will have, say, expenses if they are, um, say you have an expense that is 100% paid today, but it's amortized over a year. Then what will happen is the cash will all go out now and the expense will be recognized in the book over the course of a year. Well, so those two transactions are very different from a cash perspective. And if you don't keep your eye on that, it can really create trouble. Uh, Kate, don't let me talk too much. I introduce yourself. <laughs> okay, very good. Thank you, Doug. It's nice to be here. Um, so my name is Kate Johnson. I'm with Stride Savings and uh, a company called KateTheConnector.com. And um, yes, we, uh, we're all about uh, identifying and obtaining overlooked tax incentives and cost yeah. reductions with companies similar to you. And uh, that's absolutely correct. It's really about um, the money that you keep in your coffers yeah. versus the money that's uh, that's flowing out. So um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, because it, it, it's, it's kind of funny. So because I, I actually, um, I, I've, I've kind of lived in a couple of different domains. I mean, because my background is in, you know, finance and accounting, principally on the finance side. I've also, you know, I've also worked a lot with information technology. Um, too, but of course, then also getting, you know, getting my own business going, I had to you know, work a lot in the marketing, uh, you know, in, in the, you know, kind of, you know, the outreach, marketing, prospecting, etc. And uh, i I forget the source because I want to give credit where it's due, but there was uh, th- there was one thing I read that I thought was uh, that was very prescient, which you know, which said that uh, you know, knowing a lot about how to do something, uh, or, or you're, you're basically, or it was knowing you know, knowing the most about what you do won't make you any money. Knowing the most about marketing what you do will make you all kinds of money. <laughs> um, and kind of where I was, where I'm going with this is that I think marketing-minded people tend to think, okay, well, you know, if you can just get revenue to grow enough, then you don't have to worry about the rest. Um, and while that certainly helps, <laughs> there's uh, nothing that helps cash flow quite like a growing pie. Um, you still need to keep your eye on cash flow, even if you are, you know, full-on focused on revenue growth. And I would actually argue, even if, especially if you're like, say, a number of these venture-backed companies that, uh, you know, where their entire business plan is to grow really, really fast to attract more venture uh, venture funding. Uh, cash flow management is actually even more important for them because they tend to be burning at such a high rate that if they miscalculate where their, what their cash needs look like, they could find themselves completely out of cash and basically dead in the water. Well, and also, Doug, I would argue that while they're growing and accelerating, scaling, wherever from cradle to grave, a business uh, sometimes doesn't know what they don't know what they're entitled to 
yeah. to offset their tax liability. So many businesses, mm-hmm. micro businesses, Main Street, yeah. to Wall Street, whatever, they, they're, they're tax burdened. Uh, if they have a tax liability, who doesn't have a tax liability yeah. these days, right? And so the, then the question becomes, well, what are the resources out there? And there's so many um, and with the, the labor force down as much yeah. as it is across the country. Uh, the, the executive decision makers are making, um, they have so many, um, so many hats that they're wearing, so to speak, yeah. and uh, that uh, it's difficult to, um, to manage multiple buckets. So it's, and, and on the flip side, it's critical to have yeah. resources out there to, that are trusted to support um, their trajectory, what their yeah. direction, their vision and, and scaling. So, yeah. Uh, well, and so kind of what, one of the things that you, uh, that, that you kind of brought up or kind of made me think about as we were talking is that, you know, particularly in the current environment, uh, I think there are a lot of cases where you have, you know, you have say accounting and finance teams or management teams where, you know, they're thin on resourcing, uh, partly due to, well, I say now it's probably more just that it's really hard to get people. <laughs> um, and so, but there's in, more in, niche in, happening too. More yeah. Niche. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, but you know, it's really, it's just really hard to find people to, uh, to bring on as hires. But in a lot of cases, I think it can work, it can work really well to partner with a specialist such as you or myself. So in your case, you know, we'll use tax savings uh, to accentuate, you know, what, one of your businesses, uh, primary, uh, you know, primary lines is, you know, because you know, if you are, say, yeah, for example, let's say that I am the CFO for a, I don't know, for a, a mid-sized manufacturing company, right? I'm sure there are all kinds of tax incentives and there is absolutely no way that I'm going to know about all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I could do is I tr- could try to internally staff up and get somebody to get someone to learn about all of them but it might just make more sense to partner with somebody who already does this um, and leverage their expertise so that I don't have to carry more headcount which I would have a devil of a fine time uh, a, a devil of a time finding and retaining anyway I'm stepping over my tongue here um, <laughs> I, I kind of let, let me know your thoughts I mean but just kind of my um, you know my intuition is that I I feel that this is really a direction that a lot of businesses are going to go uh, just I think because from a long-term perspective, I think that a lot of businesses carry a pretty heavy headcount burden um, that, uh, that I think where affordability will get difficult over a longer period of time. And over the short term, even if you wanted to staff up and try to cover all of your bases, you just couldn't get people on board fast enough. It's interesting. I, I just got off the, a call with a, an accountant um, who, whose background was 30 years working with a, Ford, a, a C-Corp. Yeah. HR and there was um, 500 employees and she knows taxes. Uh, she's in the trenches and yeah. now she runs a bookkeeping practice. And she said at this point and stage in her life and her career with her company, that's she works with all vertical sorts of companies. Um, she knows well that to delegate is, is the key and that yeah. is the game because there's over, you know, we, we kind of talked through this. There's over 2,600 pages in the tax code alone. Um, and, and there's one, there's not every bookkeeper or accountant or tax advisor is made of the same cloth, quite frankly. Um, and and there's not a lot of pictures either. Right. Not all of them embrace (laughs) technology. Right. And, and so they, if you always do what you've always done, you get the same results that you've always received. So to have strategic partnerships, what you're speaking to is huge. And to master that, to have that ability to collaborate to yeah. be a master collaborator, to facilitate, to be able to deliver. Then there's the audit defense. Not, not every um, tax uh, advisor has the audit defense nor engineers yeah. on their team to deliver. So they have to stop and think for a second. 
wow, I get paid no matter what, you know, whether it's billable hours or <laughs> yes, you do. And, and I'll help you deliver that and, and expedite simply with my internal team, just as you would. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to rethink um, yeah. uh, the possibilities and expand their book of business. So that's, yeah. that's one of the things that um, I think we're, we're living in an age where the, the economic footprint is sort of demanding that, that we can't yeah. be all things to all people. Yeah, well, and because one of the other things as well, because, um, you know, and uh, so one of the things I've done is, you know, of course, I was a corporate employee for a long time. And I've also done some, I've also done some contract work, too. And mm-hmm. one of the things that was a really unique experience as a contractor is that I kind of had a front row seat to how much time a lot of people who are full-time employees have to spend doing internal posturing for either trying to you know, secure budgets, secure favorable reviews, to try to get promoted, to try to make sure that their team retains scope. And one thing about bringing in an external expert provider is you know, you don't have, we, we don't have that overhead, you know, now I'm not trying to turn this into a sales pitch for Kate and I, if, if, if I am, it's, it's on accident, but you know, one thing about an external provider is that, you know, we don't have that internal, uh, you know, that internal posturing overhead. We just have a job, come in, do it as quickly as possible, and then go on to the next person, unless of course you really, really like working with it with us. And then we can set up some kind of retainer or something like that. Um, right. You know, but I think that's, you know, I, there's a part of me that really feels like there are going to be more companies kind of moving toward that model. Um, you know, I felt like for a long time, there was sort of this, um, there was this uh, kind of this thought that companies were trying to insource as much as they could and handle as much as possible with internal resources. But I think like we're saying, it's it's hard to A, uh, locate and retain the expertise. And then B, if, you know, just even, even if you could before, it's just way harder than it was than it was back then now. And uh, uh-huh. I think it's, you know, kind of almost by necessity, a lot of companies are sort of moving to that, moving to that model. Now we're, we're getting far afield from the idea of cash flow management, but, uh, but let's just finish the tangent before getting back on topic. Well, I think it, it relates because you think about your most affordable commodity as a W2 employee, the employees, yeah. and, and you're absolutely correct. It's we're entering it, while the labor force is down and there's there's shifts um, in the marketplace where people are working more remotely from home, yeah. what does the, the new uh, employee look like and in, and culture in the workforce? Um, and, and that, um, you know, that is designed by design, supposed to create your, yeah. or enhance your bottom line cash flow as well. Because yeah. uh, if I'm an employer, I'm looking at how long is this uh, employee going to stick and stay with me? You know, yeah. uh, 90 days, or is it going to be two years? I, I speak, I just spoke to a veterinarian uh, clinic. They had two applicants come uh, that applied for a uh, vet tech jobs. And um, one of them didn't show up. It was just a, it was a drive-by and the millennial uh, folks in the, in the office, he, he was just like, what does it mean to, to ghost somebody? And I started laughing <laughs> and the, the ladies in the office were just like, Yes, doctor, you don't know what that means. That's a term that millennials use. You, you just got ghosted. And I said, it's kind of like a drive-by. They just, they didn't really want to show up for the appointment. And he's like, what is it with this world? You know, what, you know, don't they know they can have a job? So um, yeah. he's willing to pay, you know, top dollar because the, you know, the economy is, is demanding. Um, uh, that's the other thing is, as um, what do you call it? Uh, incentives to mm-hmm. doing like a $2,000 bonus. Not all micro businesses can afford something like that. Yeah, you've got mandates now for um, if, if there are more women entering the workplace, if you have fifteen or more employees, to to make accommodations for mm-hmm. working mothers. I mean, that's yeah. 
So that's all money out of pocket. This is all having to do with the bottom yeah. line. We're, yes. We're, I think businesses are dealing with a lot of um, things coming at them, you know, it led yeah. it back and forth all the time. Yeah. So. Well, well, and uh, I think that, you know, kind of getting on the topic of cash flow management, <laughs> uh, this is actually where I think a number of contingency based consulting models that I think are going to start coming into vogue more than they have already, you know, because I think the, you know, the old corporate model is you call up somebody like McKinsey or Bain, and then, you know, then what happens is, you know, they'll descend on your company with a team of about 30 people where they're billing you about $500 an hour per head <laughs> that's on that team. <laughs> Uh, by the way, not all of that is making it to the people on the team. It's usually about a third or less, um, you know, and then of course, the, so the first thing that will happen is, you know, before anybody starts anything, you're writing a purchase order for a hundred to $300,000 and who knows what it's going to cost before the whole thing's done. And then you may or may not have tangible, uh, you know, real tangible benefits. You know, now I think the, the man that that's the model, the management consulting business is built on. I think there's actually a more productive model, which is kind of what both you and I do, which is the contingency based, which is where you have a, you know, you have a specific scope, a specific set of deliverables that are measured. And then what you do is you bill based on a percentage of that monetized benefit. Um, you know, I think that, I think that is a good way of marrying those incentives so that you have effective cash flow management for the company. But then of course you also have equitable compensation for the, uh, I would add consultant. too that you put, you put your money where your mouth is if you're <laughs> in what you do. No, truly. Yeah. Cause you're, you're leading with your expertise and you're giving yeah. a lot of your time. It's the yeah. time value of money. Yes. And, and people yeah. take that the services get hit um, and looked, you know, we get hammered all the time with the services, yeah. but people take that for granted. I'm not just coming here for a visit, you know, it's, yeah. it's a, I'm really putting in my time to, I wouldn't be having this evaluation or conversation with you if I didn't see yeah. the value in it. Right. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. And, and if we don't find anything, we can part as friends or there's, there's, there's no yeah. benefit. Then obviously, but because I uh, am an expert in what I do, I can tell you ahead of time, I, I kind of have a hint that there's something there, but let's yeah. look at it together. And that's the co collaboration, if you will, yeah. Right? Yeah. To, to take a look. No, exactly. Exactly. Well, and kind of, you know, kind of going down the cash flow, uh, rabbit, kind of the cash flow management rabbit hole. Uh, look, you know, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts, right? You know, kind of coming out of whatever you call where we're at right now. I mean, I don't know, it's like, it's kind of COVID, but it's, it's kind of yes, COVID, but sort of not quite like Still it pandemic. was before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, what, what, whatever the title is for, for where we're at now, um, you know, kind of coming out of it, what are some of the things that you see that are going to be really important uh, kind of cash considerations uh, for companies? A great question. I, I'd say um, not only there's the, the mental resiliency of uh, businesses, but uh, to probably uh, conservative and being able to pivot again, mm -hmm. always be, be on the ready to pivot to hold back and not to be maybe fiscally conservative. Yeah. Uh, we've seen, um, I've, I've talked to CPAs uh, that have, uh, their restaurants have just taken off and the, 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 you know, the, the companies that have shut down for every yeah. company that has the, they've taught them business planning and think ahead yeah. as to how to leverage the sources for them. And so now we're going into a third year of the economic um, pandemic. I mean, literally mm -hmm. this, this is the third year so resiliency again to get through that to know yeah. we know we know our clientele and how do we expand that so paying attention to you know the first couple of years were kind of a trial yeah. and and it's not it's um there's more of a resolve so to be i think conservative uh 
the businesses are just uh, kind of waiting it out for, till summertime. Yeah. That's what I, what I think. Um, yeah. Well, well and yeah, cause, and cause the, the thing that I, uh, that I keep thinking is, you know, it feels to me like having a game plan for, you know, for what the, you know, what the response will be if there is a material disruption. And, mm-hmm. you know, because I think just reading the tea leaves, you know, what, when I, you know, one of the reports from the St. Louis Fed that I, um, that I consume on a regular basis is there's a report that's published showing the total indebtedness across all sectors. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've been talking about this through a number of episodes, so people are probably getting tired of hearing about it by now, but total indebtedness in the United States right now is over $90 trillion. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, you know, at some point there are, there will presumably be, uh, be defaults. You know, we, we know that the interest rates are going to be going up. And if you start seeing different sectors, the default rates start going up in different sectors, then that's going to shift the demand patterns. Cause right now demand for everything is going, is on a hockey stick growth curve because, because there's so much debt expansion, right? You know, you know, principally because the federal government's spending a whole lot of money that it's having to go out and borrow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then of course there's also, you know, uh, banking is more, is more lenient, you know, and, 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 but right now there's a lot of credit expansion. Uh, at some point that you hit a limit. And when you hit that limit, there's gonna be a turn in the, you know, in, in the trajectory, in the business trajectory. Now, I don't know when that is going to happen. Um, you know, I've been thinking something like that's going to happen for at least the last five years now <laughs> and have been dead wrong that whole time. Right. Um, but, um, uh, you know, but, you know, at some point we know there's going to be a turn. And so it's really, at least to me, it's really important to think, you know, not just say like next 90 days, but also thinking, okay, you know, when that turn happens, what is the game plan? Uh, you know, because, you know, uh, so for me, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a Bill Walsh, uh, San Francisco 49ers fan, uh, okay. from, you know, back in the day with Joe Montana and, you know, his, his whole thing was having an extremely elaborate game plan so that every single possible game situation had a plan for it. So, you know, because the idea is, you know, if you've planned for everything that could possibly happen, uh, then no matter what the situation is, you know exactly what you're going to do. It may or may not work quite the way you thought, but if you know exactly what you're going to do, that takes a major source of anxiety off your head, you know, off your mind, you know, because the worst thing you could, we want to be doing is having a time of enormous crisis and then shooting from the hip, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of businesses end up doing. That sounds good. Yeah, I, I, I would I would think that's uh, something that um, there's just a, like a lot to take in there for for um, <laughs> what you're what we're talking about today. So. Oh, yeah, our- we're, we're, we're kind of going we're going a little ways afield here. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then these conversations tend to go off on tangents. No, but it's, it's all a good, a good topic and a good subject. It, it's um, there's such a huge need for micro businesses right now. Yeah. Um, 88% of them that have fewer than, what is it? 20 employees or something, yeah. you know, they could, they, I just can't emphasize enough how much they need resources. They don't yeah. know what they don't know. Um, and if, if uh, we can powerfully deliver and execute um, what we say we can do, then um, they're in a much better um, place. I mean, there's, there's all this trepidation in the world going on with, um, you know, social media, the news, the headlines, the, the pandemic, um, technology, um, at the end of the day, you know, that it, ta- it it's going to take more time to kind of navigate yeah. through, um, the truth, if you will, or just somewhere yeah. in there is a way to, is a, a path, um, mm-hmm. not just to survive, but to, to, 
to uh, get ahead and be profitable because at the end of the day, there, there really has been a transfer of huge wealth over the last yeah. year. <clears throat> and, and so um, there's still, am I hopeful? Absolutely. That's a, that's what we have more than anything. It's, this isn't, um, I, I'm, I'm excited for opportunity for, for clients to still take advantage of the services that are out there for cash flow and yeah. taking advantage. Um, it's just really um, getting them to look up the gate to pay, pay attention to yeah. and stay with the times really, because you can't afford not to talk to um, not just talk, but just be advised to, to, to embrace uh, new technologies, new concepts or, or concepts that have been there already that are established that, well, maybe there is a way a value proposition. Maybe I need to rethink this. Uh, maybe I need to, um, if I always do what I've always done, I'm going to get the same results or this is not going to yeah. survive the situation that I'm in. I'm going to have to like, yeah. maybe have to disrupt myself. I mean, the, this whole last couple of years have, has been full of disruptions. If you yeah, think. no, pr you precisely, know. precisely. Yeah. The, well, cause yeah, like 2019 and back, I refer, I, I now refer to as the before times. Yeah. And, and, well, and we're at, 19 again, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're 2019 is never, you know, that like the world as it existed in 2019 is never coming back. You know, right mm -hmm. now it's kind of the, I don't know what it is. Uh, I hope it ends soon though. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then, you know, the, the, then eventually we'll get the kind of world next and, right. you know, e exactly what world next looks like I don't know that we really have a firm view yet but I think one of the things you know kind of bringing this all back on topic again one of the things that's really important for businesses is to still make sure that you're cash flow managing through all of that um, you know because of course right you know when there are opportunities you want to cat you want to take advantage of those opportunities but you also have to understand that the there can and will be another very major disruption at some point in the likely near future and that's going to need to uh, you know and you know, then, you know, that's something that you need to plan for. Uh, well, well, anyway, uh, Kate, I just kind of wanted to say, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, uh, give us a last thought and uh, let everybody know where they can find out a little more. Absolutely. Um, thank you for your time too, Doug. I appreciate the, the back and forth. Um, I'm uh, with Kate Johnson and Stride Savings and katetheconnector.com. Uh, if you want a free assessment of, of your business and find out if there's potential savings mm -hmm. or uh, tax incentives that have been overlooked, uh, give me a call, send me a message, um, and uh, I thank you for your time today. All right, outstanding. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Kate the Connector, have a wonderful rest of your day. <laughs> All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Please feel free to visit me online at www.terminalvalue.biz where you can subscribe, find me on social, and then we can connect and just keep the conversation going. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you, and I hope you have a wonderful day. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Light, LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.